0: Morning. How are y'all doing? All right. We're, we're just going to kind of tune it in as we go here. Thank you guys for being here at Austin New Church this morning. I'm Trey. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, any of you visiting with us this morning? Just, yes. Anybody? Okay. Very good. Thank you guys for being here. Anybody visiting that went to IF yesterday? Does this backdrop look familiar? We stole it. No lie. No lie. We were there as they were breaking it down, and we stole that. Some guys came in here last night, and they put it up here behind us, no lie. So, But thank you, the IF Conference, for giving us your backdrop. We didn't actually have to steal it or pay for it, so it was kind of cool. Um, anyway, if you're visiting with us today, we're super pumped that you're here. Um, in the seat back in front of you is an info card. Uh, if you'll let us know, you communicate with us that way, let us know you're here, how we can be praying for you. Drop that in the offering at the end service, and it'll give you something to do while I'm teaching, uh, so... Just go ahead and be doing that. Um, let me guys ask you a question. Let me ask you guys a question. Um, since we just finished up a time of worship, uh, what do you think about when I say the word "let's all get, gather to worship" or just worship in general? What what comes to mind if we worship together? Shuffling. What was that? Awkward shuffling. Awkward shuffling, like a weird junior high dance. Yeah. Okay, all right. Anything about, you were obviously watching me. Um, What else? Anybody else? Community. Community, okay, very good. What else? Music, Music. absolutely. Anything else? What was this? Preparation. Preparation. Looking into the word, yep, absolutely. Connection. Connection. Wow, y'all just taught my sermon. Y'all have a good week. Well, let's pray to go out, get out of here. Um, well, as we talk about, as we go into this, uh, we've been on it for for a couple of weeks now, two or three weeks, two weeks, three, is this week four? This is week four. Uh, into our vision series, we're gonna talk about worship uh, this morning and all that entails. And as Brandon and Jason have already told us, I wanna just kind of refresh us, we have this vision statement that, that says Time and time again, we see a church, we see a church, we see a church, and what that vision is and we there's about nine of them I think um, what we 're not saying is we are a church, we are the church that gets this, and the rest of your churches don't okay what we 're saying is we see a church blank and we 'll talk about worship this morning um, but that's something that we aspire to something that we shoot for something to give us aim toward i don't know that we'll ever i don't I don't know that we'll ever accomplish it, but we see it. We see it, and we want to set you and us up for that, but it's something that we work for. When I sign out all my emails at the, you know, when I send out those weekly, weekly emails and I sign it off, thank you for being part of the church we dream of, that's, the, that's what we're talking about, is the thing that we aspire to, and that we're all a part of this. Um. So with that in mind, let's look at this week's statement. It'll be on the screen up here. It says this, We see a church that values worship, that exalts God. We believe that when God is lifted up, we have the privilege of experiencing His presence and have a greater opportunity to discern His truth. Let's pray. Father, I just want to ask that you you, uh, speak to us this morning, Father, give us something to learn. We can always learn. We we pray for your Holy Spirit to to discern to us this morning uh, what you would have us hear in a new, fresh way. Father, we love you, and it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So when we sing songs like we just sang, or we sing, uh, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I think we're going to sing that in the second set. Uh, we're asking for God's presence, but. But every, all songs in church aren't necessarily worship songs. Some of them are praise songs. Some of them are God's word to us over us. And we sing them as a reminder. It's a good thing. It's a great song, but it's not necessarily a worship song. When we focus on the, the song, when the, fo- when the focus of the song is on God and not us, we, and we have our hearts correctly tuned to his, that is worship. And it's not whether or not we're on key or, man, I really nailed that harmony with Lamar. You know, he would be so proud of me. Or uh, we sang that chorus three times, what's up with this guy, that kind of thing. Um, God's glory, his name, his presence, his fame, nothing but him is the focus. So we won't squabble or not whether a particular song emotes worship because it's actually a matter of our hearts And the perceptiveness, our perceptiveness to hear God and what he's doing and where he's calling us to. So let's break apart this first part of the statement and and we look at it again. It says, we see a church that values worship and exalts God. So we do value singing songs. We we love our band. You guys are amazing. Cool new backdrop, right? Uh, Setting the stage, so to speak, that you and I can come in here and have an awesome worship experience. But I would say that none of these things are even necessary to have an awesome worship experience. But there's much more that, that, that we, your staff, also try to set the table for us to have good worship experiences outside of these walls. Because if we're to break down our weeks into minutes, we have exactly 10,080 minutes every week. That's it. 10,080 minutes every week. And let's say Lamar goes a little long with his worship set and he does five songs at five minutes apiece. That's 25 minutes, right? And let's say you're like me, and maybe you sprinkle in a little K-Love, or maybe set your Pandora station. Nobody does this. I can see. You guys are all like, I don't know what K-Love is. Okay. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I, was, I was lying. I've never listened to K-Love here in my life. Um, I'm serious. Um, but... I do listen to worship songs during the week, some, but let's say on a good week, okay, that we have an hour, 60 minutes of time that we listen to worship music, okay, and that's the limit of our worship experience. That's literally five one-thousandths of our time in a week, five one-thousandths of our time engaged in worship singing, and that's not very much. So there's got to be more, right? Right? You guys mentioned a lot of them. If we're following Jesus and we believe that he's worthy of our worship, we simply cannot settle for or be okay with five one-thousandths of our time. I was talking with a friend earlier this week, and he said, Worship is what's fitting. Think about that for a second. It kind of struck me, but it, it's true. Worship is what's fitting. It is correct. It isn't owed. It shouldn't have to be forced. It's just appropriate. Appropriate in the sense that the right amount of adoration and exaltation is expressed. When the Maya built the temples in the Yucatan of Mexico, they spent a good portion of their lives doing so. They were worshiping in a way that seemed fitting to them. Hey, let's build a pyramid. As many man, man hours, days, and weeks, or years that it takes, as many resources as we can muster, it seemed fitting the sacrifice that they were making in devotion to their deities. Nothing less than their entire focus, their lives seemed fitting. So if we have a correct view of God and his love for us and the atoning sacrifice that he made through his son, Jesus Christ, no matter what form it takes, it should be fitting. Would you agree with me? So what is fitting for God? Am I giving of myself? Is my worship fitting toward the one who gave me that breath? There's this word that's used throughout the, throughout the New Testament, and Tracy's going to put it on the, word, the, the screen for me. It's called proskineo. Proskineo. Say that together. Proskineo. Very good. And this word picture that we get from that is a kissing toward. It's a kissing toward like a dog licking the hand of his master. It's reverence. When your dog does this, it's basically worship. He loves you. Your dog, might even, your dog might lick the hand of a, of a friend as well that he knows, but he reserves special moments for you, right? My dog, Budge. Have you been to my house? I have a little shih tzu. His name is Budge. Okay? I know. Big guy, little dog. It's fine. If you've been to my house and met Budge, he's barked at you, no doubt, 100%. Uh, if, you've, if you're lucky, he's snipped at you, and if you're unlucky, he's actually caught you. There's, there's a few of you that he actually actually bit. Sorry about that. David, you're one of them. I hear you laughing. So what you don't see and what Jenny only gets to see is this. When I come home from work and I'm greeted with that same bark, when the garage door starts to open, he starts going crazy. I mean, he is literally going nuts. Uh, he runs toward the door of the garage and continues barking until the door opens. Once that door opens and it's me, he gets very excited. He's running around. He's like, he's like, oh my gosh, he's home. You know, he's crazy. And then he, if I will give him my attention, then he's like, come on, let's go to the couch. Let's, you know, it's kind of, you can tell, I can tell what he's saying. He's wanting me to come to the couch with him and he'll run over there and stop on the carpet. And he's just still bouncing around a little bit and then if I acknowledge that I'm coming that way, he gets, you know, he starts running in circles and I'll go to sit on the couch. He doesn't jump up before me because I'll probably crush him, but I sit down and then he runs up my chest, lays down, head in my face, and begins proskineo. <laughs> Licking, kissing in my direction. Kissing in my d- direction. This kissing toward is kind of worship that we see in God's Word over and over as people encounter Jesus. The Magi, when they heard of Jesus' birth, they traveled, and when they'd arrived, they announced, we saw the star, and when it rose, we have come to proskuneo him, to kiss toward him. All their focus would be on Jesus. A synagogue leader came to Jesus, and he said, and proskuneo, all his focus on him and said, my daughter is dead, but if you will just come and lay your hands on her, she will live. And when Jesus was tested by Satan in the desert, he told him, Satan, proskuneo, the Lord, your God, and serve him only. He told Satan that. And Jesus, when he met the two Marys after his resurrection, they fell on the ground and proskuneo, all their focus was on Jesus. You get the picture. 54 times in the New Testament, we see this picture of worship, the reverence fitting only to God. And correct me if I'm wrong, but not one time was there a strapping young fellow with skinny jeans and a guitar in any of those passages. We see worship in the Bible as this proscaneo. So let's just assume for a second in this room that most of us do claim the name of Jesus. The son of the, son of, son of, of the God of the universe The one who literally spoke the world into being, who breathed life into man and placed him in the garden, who created DNA, who knitted you and me into our mother's wombs and knows the number of our hairs on our head and knows all of the stuff that we do. Yet, even though we were sinners, every single one of us, he sent his son to die an atoning death for us. For all that, we give five one-thousandths of a minute per week in worship. There must be more. So how else are we worshiping? I hope to show you here in the next minute or two. We believe that when God is lifted up, we have the privilege of experiencing His presence. When God is lifted up, we proskuneo, we have the privilege of experiencing His presence. Psalm 100 says this, Enter into His presence with singing, and enter into his courts with praise. The manifest presence of God. This is the experiencing this is experiencing the full presence of God and all that encompasses this. I want to talk about what that means for anyone who follows Jesus. Not God's presence that's always with us. He's always there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his manifest presence. That means God comes presently and he starts demonstrating himself in ways that only God can do that. An example of this would be, let's just say that you're a millionaire sitting among us this morning. Welcome. Um, your, your presence is, you know, awesome. Um, however, you could manifest your presence by writing a six-figure check, dropping that into the offering plate at the, in the service, and be on your way. That's, that's something only you could do in this room, right? So that's the manifest presence of a millionaire in the room this morning. Our desire as worshipers should be in that place with God where we are seeing and experiencing the things that we know only He can do. The way we do this is getting to a place in our lives where our soul focuses on Him. Enter into His presence with singing and enter into His courts with praise. Entering in does not mean, well, oh, look, there's Lamar. And look, oh, Angie's with him this morning. That's great. She's going to sing great. That's awesome. Here we go. Repeat the chorus. Clap our hands. I hope they sing Oceans because that's my favorite song. You know, um, that's not entering in. When we enter into his presence, we should really have that posture of climbing up on his chest and laying down face to face and kissing toward him. Where is our focus? We worship by serving. That's another way somebody said that. One of our spaces that we cherish as a faith community is down under the bridge under I-35 between 7th and 8th streets. Every fifth Sunday, we close the doors to this church, and we go down there, and and we serve the homeless cheeseburgers. That place is dirty. It smells like urine. And there's a constant buzz of traffic above on I-35. Homeless folks camp there. They sleep there. They do deals there. But for a time on a fifth Sunday between 1 and 3... It's a holy place. We go there every fifth Sunday, and we, and we also go there on Easter. We, we ramp it up a little bit on Easter Sunday when we shut down church, and we go down there and basically do a service then. We have communion. We have a short message. We serve cheeseburgers, and we give away a crap ton of boots and shoes. Many of us cherish that place, but also many of us cherish like the settlement home where we go and serve abused and neglected teens. It may be at Austin State Hospital where some of us go to serve and also, for some, it might be in our very own community center where some of the old people that used to be a part of faith, uh, the church before us, they serve, they, get, they do respite care for Alzheimer's caregivers on Thursdays. Maybe it's out at Community First, another of our partners locally who's built a master planned community for formerly homeless people and give them a place that's safe and a place to have community. Or maybe it's when we travel to Uganda or Peru or even Haiti. Those are very cherished places. I will submit that these places are places we put ourselves in to see the manifest presence of God. Our soul focuses on God. We've seen it. We've heard it. We've tasted it. And it's such a sweet place to be where we come home and we're raring to go back. Where we see God do stuff only he can do. And when we go out of our way to be in that space, that is worship. I still remember Don Taylor's story. Don, Don, are you here this morning? Don't want to embarrass you. Good. Glad you're not. <laughs> Listen to the podcast later, Don. Um, Don went down. It's not embarrassing. Don went down on our second or third pilgrimage to Haiti. I don't remember. How long ago was that? Lamar, was that 6, 7? November 2011. 2011. So seven years ago? Six and a half years ago? Um. So, Don went down there with, with Help One Now, uh, whose, whose mission is finding sustainable forms to eradicate poverty, and who also happens to be Lamar's main employer. When Don came back from his trip, he was super excited. And he asked me to coffee. At the coffee, he said, You know what? I've been in the church, Methodist Church for 40 plus years, and I've never seen the gospel come to life like it did in Haiti. He even stated stated that he got saved in Haiti. There was no altar call, no salvation pitch, no pastor, so to speak. Just Don and God doing business with each other. I'm telling you that Don witnessed the manifest presence of God in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, pulling teeth for five days straight. He told me, I'm looking retirement square in the eye, and I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And six years later, he's, he's proved true to that. He's now partnering with a nonprofit called Help Smiles. Hope Smiles? Hope Smiles. And he's training Haitians how to be dentists like he is so that they can care for the dental health of of Haitian men and women. So finding that spot where God is moving, where we experience His manifest presence and worshiping with our whole lives, that's worship. Or it may be with our finances. Uh Uh-oh. Um... We all know what we make, and if you're like me, on paper, it makes absolutely zero sense to give the church or God 10% or more. And I believe this every week, because I say this, as we close out our time of worship, we're going to worship through giving. And it's a huge part of our faith journey. And we can talk about tithing, and whether whether or not you feel like that's old law, or whether you believe that, like Micah 3.10 says, that's something the Lord wants us to test him in, that if we do, we will find ourselves face-to-face in the manifest presence of God, where he promises he will throw open the floodgates of blessings so that we don't have room to store it. But again, it makes no sense to spend an hour or two of our Sunday morning in a church building if we don't recognize where God and his word is begging us to test him. So why waste our time? Personally, that, first, that 10% isn't even mine, and that is the, that's only the start, We as a family have been so blessed, and I'm not talking about financially, so hear me in this. We have been so blessed that this is a non-negotiable. God is so good to us. I've seen Malachi 311 in action for years. I've seen his manifest presence and his blessings in our lives and talk about floodgates. I would say this, pound for pound or dollar for dollar, if you want God to bless you, give. If you won't give at ANC, go somewhere else and give. It's that important that you give. Because if you're struggling in your faith and seldomly or ever you've ever seen the manifest presence of God, you know where he shows up and does what only he can do, give, be a giver. Well, preacher, I'm just a single mom. Okay, well, we see the poor widow in the Bible um, who came and gave two small copper coins. That's all she had to give. And Jesus recognized her as, as, as faithful, as even giving more than the person who gave out of their abundance. Okay, well, I serve everywhere, and I come to church, and I lead a restore group, but I just don't think 10% is biblical. I think Jesus say, would say, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor. That sound familiar? Where your treasure is, your heart is also. That's where God is looking to break through in your life, and the areas where we only trust what makes sense on paper. If Jenny and I only did what made sense on paper, we would have never moved to Austin and helped Brandon and Jen start Austin New Church. It didn't, didn't make sense, Absolutely. I was in a family business with a 35 year history, stable. Jenny was a realtor with 20 years uh, of experiencing and, and, and clientele just lined up. New home, we lived in for six months, we put a new pool in. Great schools, great church, friends, family, faith, the whole nine yards. Versus coming to Austin, starting a church in what it, we've come to find out was the church planner's graveyard. Great place to start a church. Just a handful of people who Brandon believed would join us. We fit in a small living room. No future income beyond what we could raise as missionaries. No guarantees or security, retirement or benefits to speak of. No family here, new schools. Sounds about right. Sounds about even, right? No. But when you've trusted God and seen and experienced his manifest presence and you feel him moving you, you move with him. You obey when it doesn't make sense on paper and you don't even want to know how many times people called me crazy and those were my church friends. The best spot a lot of us could be in today is to say, you know what? I don't really have faith that God can provide for me. I have to look out for number one. At least that's being honest. Trust me. I trust me more than I trust God. And I love me more than I love God. I love my kids more than I love God. If that's where you are today, that's okay. Trust him a little bit then. Test him a little bit then. I think some movement in our faith journey, and we're all on a faith journey, I think just a little movement, a little step closer toward him and obedience could provide us a glimpse of the blessing that we need. Test God. Now again, you're not hearing me say that if I give to the church, you're going to be financially blessed. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is for me and my family, We don't count the first 10% as ours, and God has blessed us immensely. I would rather have God's blessing than the money anyway. Test him. Worship by giving. But in that, our sole focus should be on God. Somebody said this, we worship in community. When we started ANC 10 years ago, we said, let's focus on two things. I'm like, cool, because that's about all I can do. Two things, service and community. And these are the two things we spend most of our time as a staff on. How do we create environments where we can serve and see God's manifest presence? How can we create environments where we can party with each other and our neighbors and see God's manifest presence? As we look at the life of Jesus, he was all about the party. There is something super special about breaking of bread and getting together around the table. Luke 7, 34 says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say... Here is a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We all know why Jesus came to this earth, but many times we lose track of how. He came eating and drinking, so much so that he was known by the religious elite as a glutton, drunkard, and a friend of sinners. Without picking on anyone in this, in, in, or, or group, there's a whole lot of baggage associated with this in the church as a whole. One of the biggest fears we, your church leaders, have moving into a new space, a beautiful space like this, is that we become complacent on our campus. That, we, that for ease sake, or we think to default to gather here as opposed to gathering in our communities. That's not our default. Our default should always be in the community. If our default were to circle up here and not do life out there, not really for protective purposes, but just for ease, we we, kind of lose focus of of what community is about. I'm telling you as one who spent 10 years inside of a campus of a large church, you lose your space at the table when we do this. You want to get a place in your life where you don't know lost people? Hang out at church. That's no fun and that's not what God called us to. If we want to be good news to our neighbors and we want to have opportunities to see his manifest presence at work in our communities, the last place we need to be is hold up here on Thursday night. We do things at ANC to spur you to replicate this. Next week, after service, we're going to be having a restore group launch where Brandon's going to give us a crash course in doing community beyond these walls. And if you're not in community ANC, you need to make an effort to be here. Whether you're new to ANC or a long timer, we feel like being in community is that important. We also host these things called dinners for 10. We do them in the spring. We do them in the fall. These are the simple dinners that ANCers come to to meet each other. They've been great. They're awesome. We hang around the ta- table and share stories. How simple is that? How cool is that? They're awesome. But the idea behind those is to get you to replicate those. Do them in your neighborhood. Be a good neighbor. Throw a party. Have some wine. Share some stories. You shouldn't be waiting till the next time that the church does these to be having these, these sort of communities. Do them with your kids, teammates, parents, folks you don't know from the public school or the yoga class or the poker night. We can worship by, by being intentional in forming new friendships and relationships around the table. We can worship in community. We can also worship by reading and obeying and applying his word. Psalm one nineteen one o five says this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Want to know God's direction for you? Read his word. Obey his word. Want to see his manifest presence break through in a serious way? Commit yourself to seeking him in the scriptures. The end of the vision statement reads like this. We believe that when God is lifted up, we have the privilege of experiencing his presence and have a greater opportunity to discern his truth. These simple acts of obedience, kissing toward licking the hand of the master, being in his word, allowing us better opportunity for the Holy Spirit to discern his truth. And if we believe that the word The single most absolute truth that God ever spoke was his son, Jesus Christ. Trying to figure him out, trying his ways, how he loved, how he advocated for people, that should be our number one goal. And that is our ultimate ultimate form of worship. We did this as a church not long ago. ANC, its board of advisors, made a decision in the fall of 2016 that we would make public the way our hearts have been leaning toward the LGBT community. We had a meeting on a Sunday night asking everyone from the body to be present. And we shared that with the board after much prayer study and discerning God's word and applying its principles, we decided that our LGBT brothers and sisters needed to hear us say, you are welcome here. You are a cherished child of God, beautifully made in his image. And from here on out, you're not only welcome here, but you're you're able to participate fully in church life at ANC. We made public our stance on full inclusion. All levels of service and leadership were open. For many of us, it was an act of obedience. It was an act of worship. It didn't make sense on paper because we knew the fallout would be great. It broke from the norm, but hear me in this. It's okay to break from the norm when the norm is broken. We lost about 30 to 40% of our folks on that stance, friends. Folks we had co-labored with from the start of ANC and, and been friends with for years some who had helped us start. And we love these people, and they're still good people, many of whom we still have community with. But when we leaned into Scripture and we we asked the hard questions of Scripture with the help and discernment of the Holy Spirit, we could no longer remain silent on a matter of justice. That was worship. Now I will say, on the backside, that the blessing has been great. The floodgates of blessing have been poured out on this little faith community, you guys, are, you guys are a part of that. And we cannot store it. For one, we've been blessed with this campus. Well, Trey, how do you make that connection? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, I, I, truly, I truly believe that our obedience caused a ripple effect. We had to actually let go of something or be let go of something, depending on who you ask. Letting go of our previous denominational affiliation, we found this beautiful expression of basically the same theological bloodline who had a bigger family with more resources and ultimately a campus they wanted to bless us with. But it took us letting go. Second, many of you have found us because you've heard that maybe there's a church in town that will love me and my friends or my son or my daughter the way they were designed. And I can and want to be a part of a faith community like that. Lastly, after the fury died down, we, had, we have realized that we aren't the people they were calling us. We still have a place at the table, and there still are others interested in our story. Because it's a good story. Because God's immeasurable love and amazing grace is for everyone. That is a story of good news worth telling. So we can worship through singing, but there's so much more. We can worship through serving, through community, through giving, through giving through reading and applying his word, through discerning his truth, and worship through obedience. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper proscaneo. Let me get you guys to close your eyes for a second. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, as the band's just going to start making their way up here before we take communion. Just answer these in your hearts. Um, my My hope as you answer these is that you take the next step with them, not only answering them, but seeking to honor God and Him being your sole focus. But here's the first one. What do I need to let go of in order to worship with my life, with my whole life? Where are the spaces that I could place myself more often to see the manifest presence of God? What areas of my life am I holding on too tightly to that I'm not allowing God access to? And then lastly, if I felt God moving in me and it didn't make sense on paper, how would I respond? How would I respond? Let's pray.